everyone, Alan Schimmel here for another DevOps chat combined with the Security Boulevard chat, so two for the price of one. Uh, we have a great uh, guest lined up for our chat today talking about a subject that is pretty near and dear to me, and that's DevSecOps. And I'm joined by Har Harry Sverdlov, who's the Chief Technology Officer over at EdgeWise.net, EdgeWise.net, but EdgeWise Networks. That was that was a mouthful. Hi, Harry. Nice to nice to have you on the show. Nice to, nice to be here, Alan. Thanks for having me. Great. So, Harry, let's start off with the premise right off the bat that you know a lot of people listening in on this, whether they're from the DevOps side of the house or security, may not yet be familiar with Edgewise Networks. So, if you can, without taking up too much time, can you give us a little background? Sure. So uh, I founded Edgewise Networks a little under two years ago. Um, I had left uh, Carbon Black. I was CTO for eight years there and founded Edgewise Networks um, with a premise that we can do network security better. Um, and so it's it's a new model for treating network security um, through very much the same premises and the principles that DevOps and DevSecOps operate, which is that of continuous adaptation and trusting network pathways instead of static IP addresses and static uh, subnets, but actually building trust in communications based on applications and users that are actually communicating in your network. Yep. And Harry, you said you founded it about two years ago, but Edgewise was in stealth until about July of, of 17, correct? Correct. And we just came out of stealth shortly before Black Hat 2017. Great. And how are things going business-wise? Super. Well, you know, it's hashtag startup life. I love I love the ideation and I love the space. Of course, I've been in security for uh, a long time and I love that the field is so dynamic, but especially it's constantly changing the threat landscape and the technologies we're dealing with. Um, so being able to provide new solutions and being able to bring those to market, it's an amazing process. Absolutely. So now that we've gotten the EdgeRise Networks part out of the way, Harry, let's dive into DevSecOps. What's interesting, I think, especially coming from Edgewise, is that when we think about DevSecOps, we don't often think about network security. So much of the attention around DevSecOps has been centered on, you know, AppSec, on application security, on the developers and the code they're producing and, you know, testing before deployment and stuff like that. Where's the intersection for you between DevSecOps and, and sort of traditional network security. Sure. So if you think about it, and it makes sense that at the early stages of development, you're focused on AppSec. But once you get into that deployment stage, as you go from pipeline to pipeline, from your staging to your production environment, especially with containered environments and others, network security, in other words, the ability of who can see who becomes just as critical. And in fact, most attacks, there's always going to be vulnerabilities to some level in applications, but most attacks don't occur because of a vulnerability in the app. It, it occurs because there's line of sight from something else that can take advantage of that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So network security is the ability of saying, not only do I want, of course, my applications to be secure and to practice secure principles, but I want them to have least restrictive access. Only the things that need to communicate with it can, and by things I mean other apps or people or systems, and it can only communicate with things that it needs to. But in a rapid world of DevOps or DevSecOps, where things are constantly moving through the pipeline, things are constantly being reprovisioned, actually keeping track of who can talk to what, 
and who is talking to what becomes highly problematic in a static network security world. I agree with you 100%. So, Harry, this also, you know, also kind of gets to the, uh, or at least on the periphery, no pun intended, of, of you know, cloud versus on-prem versus hybrid versus multi-cloud. You know, I, I think what sometimes we overlook is I, I know very few enterprises that exist in just one of those worlds today. Right. Well, maybe they exist in hybrid, which by definition is more than one. But, um, Absolutely. you know, in, in a multi-homed world, you got to have the network, right? You, these things have to. They're all connected. We're connected to how we connect. So without question. So the so I, I guess the question then becomes where where is the control point? Where's the well, this, point for that? Right. One of the challenges, if you think about what is the operating principles behind DevOps, is the ability to do continuous deployment, continuous release, exactly. to, fail, to fail fast. Well, mm-hmm. if you think about that, you know, you just mentioned there's private, there's hybrid, there's cloud, and typically it's not one, it's many of them. And as I'm going through this process, I'm actually moving my applications, my services through all of them. Um, and so what you want, just like with app security, you want your network security to travel with you so that you're not setting up, well, here's my network security when I'm developing private in my dev world, but it's completely different when I go to deploy in my hybrid, and then I have to revisit security when I deploy in my public cloud. Um, the, what you want and what you need is the same sort of principles that apply to other areas of security. You want your policies, your security policies to apply as you move. It doesn't matter what cloud you're in. Got it. Got it. I, I, I agree with you, Harry. Let me let me turn things a little bit. Again, I want to hit some other areas. You and I were both talking uh, off off mic, you know, before we started recording about 2018 being a sort of a pivotal year for DevSecOps in terms of it going mainstream of, of more coalescing around what what best practices are, what you know, what we can do. Why don't you share with our listeners, why, why do you think this is a big year for DevSecOps? I do, and, and, and I'll do this, and I hate to say more buzzwords, but buzzwords often are the forebearer of where things are going. Once upon a time, as DevOps was first coming about, automation became a key driving force as there were better toolings. Um, and the ability to automate the IT operation side of things, um, the ability to do more continuous deployment, to do DevOps became a reality. Now, as we see technologies like machine, you know, machine learning, often called artificial intelligence, but really the ability to evaluate large quantities of data and make recommendations. So to apply security policy and make recommendations in an automated fashion, now you have the reality that you actually, DevSecOps can be done in a way that doesn't slow the process down. And that's the kiss of death, of course, to DevOps is anything that slows the process down isn't going to get adapted. Um, Certainly not quickly, no pun intended. Sure, no, absolutely. Um, So, Harry, as again, I mentioned to you off off mic, one of, to me, one of the biggest challenges that I see with DevSecOps is this whole um, people issue, right? I mean, traditionally, uh, us in the security industry have sort of, I always like to say, we've relished our otherness, 
you know what I mean? Where right. we weren't part of the IT team and we almost, I guess after a while of being told we're not part of the IT team, we become proud of that. Right. We become attacks. Oh, it's yeah. time. We got to we, we need the review from the security guy or gal over there. What's yeah. he going to do that's going to slow us down? And, um, you know, we are the people who say no. But, uh, you know, and as a result of this, when we when we go into um, DevSecOps, there's still that friction. Like you just said it right. It's almost. And, and what you said, I said I agree with because you and I are both in security, and that's the way it's been, right? But that can't be the way it's going to be if we're going to be successful. We can't be viewed as the anchor. Right, or, or as the gatekeeper either. So yeah. we can't be viewed as the impediment. Yep. Um, so what can we do to change that? And, and I think that's part of recognizing that our consumer, in this case, DevOps, the developers, the IT operations, they, they are our consumer and they have a need. And their need is to be able to move rapidly, to deploy rapidly, to adapt rapidly. Um, and so when we as security professionals, if we come back with dogma and say it has to be X and X is very rigid and it's got to go this way and it's going to take three days of approvals to do X, then we're not really servicing our con our consumers, um, and they will they will view us the same way you just said. They'll say, "Oh, it's the security person; they're in the way again." And so, but it doesn't have to be that way. So, adopting policies and saying, "I I understand. Tell me your needs, developers, uh, IT operations. You have a need. Okay, you need to go from private to hybrid um, to public cloud." How can we help you? We can help give you security. And in fact, what if we can do that? and actually make your job easier? What if we can remove the and, burden? And allow you to have more secure code, right? Some more secure applications and more secure right. transactions. Right, which is the which is the benefit, of course, that's what's driving us. And, you know, we could have a philosophical debate. Some people, you know, developers aren't focused as much on, oh, great, you're gonna get me more secure code. But if you say, we're gonna get you your ability to distribute your code faster, PS, it's going to be more secure. Everybody wins. Yep. So, Harry, but, you know, I've, I've also spent the last four years in the wilderness of DevOps, right, <laughs> talking more to Dev and Ops folks than I do to security people. And an interesting thing that I, I learned there is that, you know what, most developers and Ops people, as I mentioned earlier, no one raises their hand and says, I want to do things in an insecure manner, right, or I, sure. you know, I don't want to be secure. As a matter of fact, quite the contrary. I find that most DevOps folks are are happy. I don't know if happy is the right word, but they're perfectly willing, right, to understand that security is everyone's responsibility and to do their share. What I think a lot of them find is that the security personalities, if you will, are, hey, I'm going to tell, you know, beatings will continue until morale improves, right? I'm going to tell you what's secure and not secure, and you'll do it my way, and then everything is fine. But if you don't do it my way, everything's not fine because you don't know enough about security. Right. It, well, there's definitely collaboration there, and I, I, I do agree. You know, it's, it's not that developers want to be insecure. Um, it's more, I think, that 
at any given juncture in the road when a developer has a choice. So that I can either hard code this password in here so I can get this out, out to release, or I can go through this elongated process that somebody said has to be a certain way and it'll take me three more weeks. They choose the path of expediency, not because they don't care about security, but because they do have a job to do. Um, and so it definitely is collaboration. And I think the key is, again, it is a mindset both from a security professional, but it's also our job to help show that, you know what, it doesn't have to be that trade-off. You, can, you don't have to hard code that password and you can still release continuously or push your code as frequently as you did before. Yep. Um, it, it's an interesting thing. So what changes this year, Harry, at, at, that, at that very personal, you know, person-to-person level, inter, you know, interworking, what changes that enables this, do you think? Uh, the most the, the the most successful DevOps and by the way DevSecOps organizations and it's not really a group it's a culture that I've seen it, it often does start from the top down where the either CISO CIO CTO lead engineering says I want you guys to work together you know as as platitudes as it sounds it really does start by getting them in a room and having a conversation as opposed to getting them on on the, on the other uh, side of a ticketing system or an email system. And literally having them listen to each other and talk as a collaboration. But then that's when technology helps because then you realize, hey, you know, there's solutions. Each one brings a certain concern to the table. Um, and when we can, when they're collaborating, they can find the best answers. And I think you're absolutely right. A developer given a choice of being able to build more secure code is absolutely going to want to do that. Um, when given that option, and that's where the security professional can come in and propose those types of options or propose tools. Just like when the IT operations proposed tools like Puppet and Shep and said, hey, I have ways so that you can get your deployments or you we can get through your pipeline faster if you help me build them, they started to collaborate better. Yep. So this brings up probably the last kind of area that we're going to hit on, and that is Boy, what, is it, what does it mean for people like you and Edgewise Networks, Harry? How do you – who do you sell to? How do you sell it, right? You, you, you want that top-down support, so you got to get executive buy-in. Guy, you, you, let's be real. You're not going to sell a security solution without the support of the security guy. We want the DevOps teams to buy into it and support it. How do you ever – how can you make a sale in that? In all, you know, without being facetious, how they, what the heck are you supposed to do? No, this is a great question. And given that I've been in the security space for over two decades, you know, it used to be that when you were selling a security solution, you targeted the CISO or you targeted the security operations team. And if you could convince them, they would push your tool by fiat onto the company. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't, you know, and that was sort of the old mindset. And now you actually have to say, wait a second. We have to sell to the IT department. We have to sell to the developers who are building applications. We have to win minds and hearts, not just prove that we are you know, a better security widget or that we solve a very specific security problem. And so it certainly does, um, I don't know if complicates the right word, but it changes the sale. Um, and so the organizations, and I think you see this too when you go to shows now, security tools aren't just at security conferences now. They're at IT operations, they're at DevOps days, they're at developer conferences, because we have to we have to win the minds and hearts of not just 
um, the people making the high level security red light, green light decisions, but the people who are in the trenches that are going to be most impacted by what we do. Yep. It, it, it I mean, from a sales cycle point of view, you know, I'm, I'm sure it, it honestly doesn't help. Harry, you know, I, I mentioned to you before, we're doing a big DevSecOps event at RSA again this year. It'll be our fourth year doing it. Do a lot of DevSecOps uh, roadshows around the world. But for our listeners out here listening, if you can give them top three things from an advice point of view on whether they're on the security side or the DevOps side, what could they do at their you know, at their organizations to kind of foster greater adoption of this? Three things that I would recommend for for organizations. So the first is from a top down. I would say right off the bat, start getting rid of the islands so that there isn't a security island, an, an IT island and a dev island. And if it means taking representatives of each, but get them into the same island, if you will, in the same room. And that's a cultural change, which is force the conversation, not at the exec level, but at the grassroots level. Um, because at the end of the day, you're right, these are we're all just people. And progress happens from grassroots much more effectively than from top down. Um, the second I would say is, uh, is let technology be your friend that a lot of these types of changes, when you come up with a new way of doing something, you might figure out how, let's try this manually. And it's usually pretty cumbersome and error prone, but there are so many amazing technologies um, and new tools out there that can help automate that connectivity, whether it's an automation of auto scanning as you build in security or building your network policies automatically as you move through a pipeline or auto provisioning as you scale up or scale down. But use technology. And then the third I would say is be afraid, don't be afraid to fail fast. I think a lot of times we fall into this trap, especially at the high level of we have to plan for perfection. So we plan everything out. It's got to be exactly a certain way. And then we let it sit in stone. And of course, nothing is in stone. Don't be afraid to fail. Try different things, try different tools and processes and be, be okay if, you know what, it's going to fail. We're going to iterate on it 10 times maybe. Um, we're going to fail on it 10 times, you know, the next seven days in a row and adjust as we go because the process is iterative. And, what, and, and that magic balance of security, of operations, it isn't going to be the same for one company it is for a different company. So while you can learn a lot from other models, don't try to write it all in stone and think that you can come up with the answer in advance. Dive into it, fail, learn, adapt, Keep going. Yep. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Harry, I promised you when we started that at some point I was going to say, Harry, we're about out of time. And you're going to say, where did the time go? Well, we're at that time. (laughs) Uh, Where did the time go? Where did the time go? Anyway, maybe we can have you back on for another uh, podcast in in the future. And we'll find out more about what you're thinking and edgewise and, and so forth. But for now, we'll call it a wrap. Harry Sverilov, CTO, co-founder, Edgewise Networks, our guest today on DevOps Chat and Security Boulevard Chat. Um, Thanks for appearing. Thanks so much, Alan. All right. This is Alan Schimmel. We hope to see you soon or hear you soon on another chat. Until then, thanks, everyone. 